Hello, and welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we have tales for you. We have stories, which are the same as tales. And we also have something interesting to talk to you about right off the top. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. On Guide to the Unknown, every week, Kristen and I sit down and we talk about things from the world of horror. Mm-hmm. Comes out every Friday on all major podcast apps. Sometimes something cool floats our way. Yeah. And this is one of those times. Totally. Uh, we were contacted by Penguin Random House. Mm-hmm. The, the book publishing company. Yeah. Who asked us Legit. if we'd have any interest in uh, checking out the latest novel by Dathan Auerbach mm-hmm. called Bad Man. Yeah. And interest we do have. Um, we read his first book on our old podcast book club, Schmuck Club, called Pen Pal, and we both loved it. Yeah. Um, so this was awesome that they reached out to us about it. Yeah, kind of awesome and surprising. Mm-hmm. We're not typically the kinds of people that that folks in the real world reach out to. I know. Yeah, but I have I have genuinely been eagerly awaiting yeah. uh, this book on that episode of Book Club Schmook Club, which is still available. You can still go yes. listen to it. And you really should read Pen Pal if you have not. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, Dathan Auerbach started out as writing uh, like short, sort of short horror stories on the No Sleep mm-hmm. subreddit of Reddit.com. Yep. Uh, basically, he wrote like a, sh- a small story that I think was called. I think the fo- first one was called Footprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about a kid that goes. He wakes up in the woods, like in the middle of the night. He just yeah. wakes up in the middle of the woods. He's not sure how he got there. Was he sleepwalking? Did he run away from home? Uh, and the story, I won't spoil it, but basically it takes off from there. And it yeah. was a smash. Hit yes, and he he followed that up with additional short stories from that same world. Mm-hmm. So in another story, uh, that same kid talks about having drawn maps of the woods with one of his friends and uh, moving away from home, and they all were eventually compiled together in a in a novel called Pen Pal. Yeah, uh, which he like had a successful Kickstarter to turn these just stories he'd written for the internet. Yeah, turn them into a book, and then he went radio silent. Right. So uh, for truly years, I've been wondering what he's up to, if he's going to be working on anything else, Mm -hmm. if Pen Pal was just a Mm one-off. And uh, I saw he finally started posting a few months back that he was going to have a book called Bad Man coming out. Yep. Immediately, I marked it as something that I wanted to check out. Yes. And I couldn't believe it when it just was offered to us. I know. That was amazing because samesies to all that. Yeah. It ruled. So uh, we champed at the bit. We said yes. Mm -hmm. They overnighted it. I know. It was really fast. came in one day. (laughs) We're very important tastemakers and influencers in the horror space. Yeah. Now, here's the really important thing. I wouldn't be talking about this if I didn't care about it. Right. We're under no obligation to bring this up. No. Uh, They just asked if we want to see it because they know we might. Right. But there's always a chance we might not. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, uh, we wanted to talk about it because it's really exciting and really cool. Yeah. And if you're watching this live, we record this show every Tuesday evening live on facebook.com slash pod. It came out today. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah. So it's also perfect time for you, even if you're not listening to a live because it's ready and available for, <laughs> available for you. Like when they sent it to us, it was in advance of the release. Yeah. So if we had talked about it on the show at that point, you'd have to just be waiting for it to be in your hot little hands. But you can go out and get it right now. Yeah, that's right. And cool down those hands, by the yeah. way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. It feels very similar to the first book, Pen Pal. Um, it's about a, a guy named Ben whose little brother Eric went missing five years ago. And basically... Uh, he's still searching for him, and yeah. I think the the like the hook, the log line kind of thing is like Ben didn't know he should have stopped looking. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the book, which is very intriguing. I read the book in basically a single sitting. Yeah, you finished it. I was really <laughs> yeah. surprised at how fast you finished it. Actually, I f- I feel like maybe the next day you texted me and you were like, "Hey, you can get 
you can take Batman. Yeah, now. no, I was yeah. I was genuinely looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, just on my own. Yeah. But yeah, I think I still have some of that book club, schmook club, speed uh-huh. demon thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I did kind of blaze through it. It's not a small book. Either. No. But yeah, anyway, uh, not to completely belabor it, and uh, we're not going to sure. spoil it, so we may as well just move on. But mm-hmm. yeah, Bad Man by Dathan Auerbach yeah. is out now. Yeah. Uh, so go check it out. Definitely check out Pen Pal as well. Super yeah, so cool. I loved Pen Pal. It's, it's really unique. I love the way that it started with the whole Reddit thing that William talked about. Definitely check that out. Yeah. So uh, uh, once again, we're under no obligation to talk no. about this. But also, once again, if anybody out there works in a, 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 an any sort of industry, anything, whatever, and you want to send us stuff, yeah, yeah, get in touch. I, Absolutely, we if, love stuff. Yeah, I'm a real, real huge fan of stuff, and yeah. also of talking. So yeah. as long as we like it, like. I'll totally talk about it because yeah. why not? I want other people to experience cool things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. So yeah, right. That's that's our uh, little segment for this week. So yeah, we can just jump right into it and start sharing spooky stories with each other. Let's roll on in. Yeah, William. I'm going first, if you please. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> Let's do this. So uh, this week, inspired by really nothing, I don't even know why this popped into my head, but, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if it was really going to work out. And then I started doing research and I was really, You're really like, happy. oh, this works. Yeah, uh-huh. I was really happy that I went down this road. Yeah. Kristen, I'm going to tell you the bizarre uh, possible creepy origins of nursery rhymes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Let me settle into my bed. Yeah. Tuck myself in uh-huh. That's for right. a nursery rhyme. Better get yourself a glass of warm milk. Let me get my baba. Ugh. And now I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I've got a few here. I went through a, a bunch of nursery rhymes. I, I think for whatever reason, Ring Around the Rosie popped into my head. Oh, well, that, yeah. Yeah. And Oh, okay. So you're going to talk about, like, the creepy stories behind them. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of them are true. Yeah. Some of them are completely fabricated. Right. But uh, basically, I found a bunch uh-huh. that I think are really worth sharing. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about them. So we'll go one by one here. And first, yeah, I do want to talk about Ring Around the Rosie. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so the version I always knew, and that's going to be a recurring theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually the version I thought I knew, <laughs> and then uh, alternate versions that exist in different countries. Yeah, B-sides. Different time periods, yeah. Exactly. Deep cuts. Yeah. Then I'll tell you what the rumors are about the origin. Then I'll tell you the actual Ooh, origin. great. Yeah. So, Kristen, Ring Around the Rosie, what's the version you know? Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posy, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. That's right. That's right. Now, uh, the rumor, essentially, is that ring around the rosy mm-hmm. is about the plague. Yes. The black death. Uh-huh. Uh, that ring around the rosy itself <laughs> yeah. is establishing one of the symptoms mm-hmm. of coming down with the plague. That you almost have like a, a rose-colored rash mm-hmm. with sort of a distinct line in it. Yeah. So ring around the rosy is literally as if you had some sort of a, a disturbing, you know, welt that right. appears on your body. Right. Pocket full of posy is literally referring to flowers, posies. Um, but the idea there is that it's supposed to be people would carry flowers around in their pockets mm-hmm. to ward off the bad odor of death. Yes. And decaying flesh. Yep. Which is metal and <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That- to have a pocket full of flowers yes. to mask the smell of dying. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, ashes, ashes, we all fall down is literally about what you might think, uh, mm-hmm. cremating the dead and we all fall down is about mass death. Yeah. So Ring Around the Rosie, a game that little kids might play, holding hands, 
spinning around in circles. Yep. Bring around the rosy pocket full of posy ashes, ashes. We all fall down. Bubonic plague. Right. <laughs> now, I know that there are like one of the ways that people cope with the horrors of, I don't know, life and death. Sure. Are through, I don't know. Uh, putting a smiley face yeah, on it. Turning it into some sort of art. Yeah. Putting a spin on it. Yeah. But uh, it seems that that is not really what the deal is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's just like an urban legend, that story? Yes, cool. absolutely. Um, but you know what? Before I get to the, the real origin, why don't I tell you a couple of other things? Because there are some other theories. Um, <clears throat> another th- oh, y'all. <laughs> another theory, and this is so lofty, but... Uh, the Ryman dance were ancient in origin, but reemerged and gained popularity during the 1800s. Oh, because this is evidently some sort of a pagan okay. worshiping nature kind of thing, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> when Protestants in both the U.S. and Europe decided to ban dancing. Footloose style? Yes, just like Footloose. So teens found a way around this ban through what became known as play parties. Uh-huh. They would sing children's chants that as a That sounds far worse, P.S., than just like dancing. Play, play parties. parties? Yeah. No, that ban those like, play parties. That sounds like 70s, like Hollywood, uh, Porn Valley, whatever it's called, kind Por- of thing. Porn Valley? <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> Isn't the a hell? valley associated with kind of like... A CD Hollywood thing. What the hell do you call that? Porn Valley. Put, well, I was going to say put Porn Valley. What are you Don't talking about? No. Yeah, I will not be searching for that. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Out anyway, there. so they say that uh, people would basically find an excuse to sing children's songs as if they were playing, but it was really to get away with dancing because right. dancing had been banned. Um, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound right. No, no. But so really what's going on is that uh, essentially the whole idea of it being about the plague. Yeah. Uh, it seems like that has its origin even though this song is from like the 1800s mm-hmm. well obviously way older but like regained popularity but somewhere around the 1950s just after world war ii people began to believe that the song had something with the plague yeah and i guess the idea with that is that it's like that's still the age of innocence but yeah. just post world war ii doesn't feel that coincidental right you know that it's right. something They're... morbid about it ashes for sure you know so it it seems like that was where people began to spread like that make rumor. that correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so some of the original versions of the song, uh, there's a British variant, which is actually ring a ring of roses, pocket full of posies, a tissue, a tissue. We all fall down. Cows in the meadow eating buttercups, a tissue, a tissue. We all jump up. Is tissue spelled the way you think of the word tissue spelled? T-I-S-H-O-O. I think it's supposed to be sneezing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I I like that the British, they go like, it's a full 360 here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. Cows in the meadow eating buttercups. A tissue, a tissue, we all jump up. Yeah. So if you theorize that this was about people dying, right? how do you explain the jumping up at the end? I mean, is that heaven at the end? Cows in meadow eating buttercups? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's even better. That's their version of the afterlife. A peaceful, lazy eating of buttercups. Everybody incorporate that into the rumors about Ring (laughs) Around the Rosie, (laughs) that there's this little known British variant, (laughs) which is about you ascending to heaven. Uh, then this, I think, is my favorite, and we'll move on from uh, running around the rosy. In the 1882 Godey's Ladies Book. Okay. <laughs> just, that? just take that for granted. It's a book where this was printed. It was. Oh, I bet it's like one of those things where it'd be like a ladies' reader. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the version was 
ring around a rosy, pocket full of posies, one, two, three, squat. <laughs> what? <laughs> so was that a game? A little more truncated. Like... Ring around a rosy, pocket full of posy, one, one two, two, three, squat! squat! Well, wasn't there a thing that it was like you're all supposed to drop to the ground? And whoever lands last. Yeah, actually, I guess you're right. We all fall down. That was like a thing. Yeah. 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 Huh. All right. Um, But yes, I don't know. Squats are somehow more violent. Squat. Like saying one, two, three, squat sounds like it would hurt. Yeah. Now you More than ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Yeah. Crouch down on your heels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But there is ultimately a big theory that ring around the rosy doesn't mean anything and it's Uh not supposed to. Um, It's just supposed to be a series of fun, silly words that go together that sound nice. Huh. Okay. I buy that. Yeah. Okay, next one. Jack and Jill. Okay. Kristen, tell the version you know about Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill went up the hill to get a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown, and Jill came tumbling after. Yeah, very close. I go with fetch a pail of water. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, We all have our picadillos. Sure. Now, before I get into some of the rumors of what this means and Mm -hmm. the actual origin, in writing this down, it occurred to me that I've always pictured in my head and probably seen in, you know, you know, drawings in kids' books and cartoons or wherever else the yeah. story is depicted. Jack fell down and broke his crown. Jill came tumbling after. Uh huh. What do you What do you picture in your head? I've never thought about it before. To tell you the truth, what do I picture? His head, like he broke his head. Well, yeah, but I guess fair enough. You're not wrong. Like cracked his skull. I feel like I've always seen it as like he came rolling down the hill. Uh huh. Right. They went up Jack the hill. Jack fell down. I picture it as a little bit more after. of a somersaulting action. Okay. But okay. Yeah. Because as I was writing this down, I was like, if they're getting water, <laughs> did they fall in a well? I think the water was at the top. Like it in the ring, <laughs> they fell down the bottom of a stone well. I don't see anyone else talking about that. I think there was a cool pool at the top of that hill. Maybe, yeah. Uh here are some uh Different versions, or in this case, actually additional verses. Okay. Uh, there are, are they... many versions of Jack and Jill, uh-huh. and they don't stop with Jill came tumbling after. Oh, there's more to the story. There, yeah. Because then up Jack got and home did trot as fast as he could caper to old Dame Dob, who <laughs> patched his knob with vinegar and paper. Oh, would that work? I, I guess that was an old remedy that was supposed to like pull out bruises <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah. get rid of them or whatever. Uh, another variation. Dame Dob. Another variation of that was up Jack got and home did trot as fast as he could caper and went to bed and plastered his head <laughs> with vinegar and brown paper. <laughs> Ending with when Jill came in, how did she grin to see Jack's paper plaster? <laughs> Mother vexed did whip her next. Oh. For causing Jack's disaster. It's always the woman, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that Jill. But like how she made him fall down and break his crown. I gotta say, I love the rhyme of <laughs> yeah, plaster and disaster. I do too. That's really sweet, right? Yeah. Mother vexed did wh- whip her next. I also love the word Jack's vexed disaster. Yeah. Jack's disaster has a good sound to it too. It, it totally a- does. That sounds like a band name. Yeah. It sounds like a you know try to say it three times fast kind of thing as well. But Jack's yeah. disasters. Mm-hmm. Kind of it works. So here are some of the uh, absurd rumors okay. of what this little limerick actually means. Yeah, I don't know at all the background of this it's about king charles the first and his attempts to reform the <laughs> reform the taxes on liquid measurements what okay <laughs> sounds boring <laughs> <laughs> so basically the idea it's not as sinister as i was looking for sorry oh uh, wh- wh- which word did you say 
No, I, I spit. Oh, you spit? Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think of I have to bleep something. No, 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 no. You got a potty mouth. No, you can just tell <laughs> anyway. everybody that I projectile King, spit. King Charles the First was later beheaded. And so he, you know. He did lose his crown. Yeah. yeah. Lost his crown. Well. Uh, so that's one idea. Another is that the rhyme records events of the village, the village, <laughs> the village of Kilmersden in Somerset in huh. 1697. Very what precise. happened there? Well, Kristen, a local spinster became pregnant. Uh-oh. And the putative father is said to have died from a rock fall. Oh. Later, Man. the woman died in childbirth. I'm very grateful that we live in modern times. You don't hear of people dying from rock falls yeah. all that often anymore. That's true. Yeah. It's yeah. probably just taking a walk up a hill to get some water is the same deal. Yeah, it could have fallen down a rock face. Yeah. Uh, but so, like, Jill came tumbling after she died. Right. Right. On. But yeah. Uh, uh, I like the, I mean, don't like the tragedy. idea of that, but I like the idea of like Jill came tumbling after is nursery rhyme code for the woman died after him. Completely metaphor. Yeah. That's yeah, sweet. Kind of quaint about yeah. it. Yeah. However, um, how nice to have this tragedy from a small village in 1697 immortalized in mm-hmm. a lovely children's rhyme. Right. Also, right? it makes me curious about who who those people were. Were they just randos who happened to be friends with the person who wrote Jack and Jill? Because at least like, you know, the plague, a lot of people have heard of the plague. Right. A king, people know him, but like just a spinster? Yeah, just like a horrible thing that happened in yeah. a small village. Must have really made an impression on old Jack. I guess so. Um the suggestion has also been made that Jack and Jill represent Louis the Sixteenth of France, okay, who was deposed and beheaded in 1793, <laughs> losing his crown. Yes, and his queen Marie Antoinette, who came tumbling after. Yeah, didn't uh, her did her head come tum- tumbling after? Was she beheaded? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Don't ask questions like that. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, how stupid we are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a, that's a theory that's made difficult by the fact that the earliest printing of the rhyme predates those events. All right. Well, but people do try. Oh, how they try. <laughs> now, this is sort of an interesting uh, sidebar on Jack and Jill. One of the earliest printings came with like a wood cutting mm-hmm. showing like an image of. Oh, that's so cool. Jack I and Jill love old wood, cut- wood cuttings. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a boy and a girl. Uh-huh. It's two boys. Oh, okay. For you see, it appears it originally was Jack and Gill. Oh my god, that sounds like a joke. That sounds like something you'd be telling me to lie to me so I tell somebody later. I would never Jack do that. Jack and Gil. There's no chance I would do that. Ugh. All right, go ahead. Um He would do that. He's done it multiple times. <laughs> Let me just tell times. you. Yeah. I just had one revealed to me the other night. That's true. Uh although that wasn't really intentional. Well, you still let it happen. Yeah. A lot of people still probably believe that. They probably do. I told everybody. Okay, real quick. So Will used to hate Martin Short. Now he loves Martin Short. He's wonderful. But at the time that this happened, Will hated Martin Short. And there was a telethon, a celebrity telethon on Comedy Central, I think. And I think it was for Katrina. And um, Will told me that he called and he was hoping to get somebody like Paul Rudd to answer the phone. And then it was Martin Short. And then he was all annoyed. Will says that he elaborated and said that Martin Short did a Jiminy Glick voice. To me, that part I don't remember at all. Because the whole idea was that I used to hate Martin Short so much. (laughs) And it felt to me like Jiminy Glick was unavoidable. He had his like a late night show. <laughs> Hell yeah, he was. Oh, yeah. he's so good. Oh, I've been watching it endlessly, by the way, now that I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> it's really, really funny. Definitely look up Jiminy Glick oh, stuff. That's so good. So uh, I told Kristen, I was like, yeah, I thought I was going to get somebody awesome. I got Martin Short. <laughs> And I couldn't think of anything to say to him. So I asked if he would uh, thank me as Jiminy Glick. So I said, like, it would be my pleasure. Yeah, exactly. So that was the story that I told Kristen. 
thinking that she would immediately be like, no, you you did not say that to him. But she believed me, and I felt like it's it was believable. Too, it felt too stupid to correct. That's the part I don't get. I don't know. We probably were just like doing a million things. We probably I'm just moved sure. on. Uh, and so then that story has been told. I don't think I told Allie that that's not true yet either. Uh, She's away right now. So yeah. she'll also be like, what's wrong with you? Why bother? <laughs> well, why bother lying about that? And it's literally been, I it's know. been about 10 years. Yeah, probably. So I just revealed it the other night. Yeah, reveal you. <laughs> reveal you. I did not talk to Martin Short on the phone. Anyway. <laughs> What a blow. Anyway, so it was originally Jack and Gil, not Jack and Jill. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> because a gill is a quarter pint in the imperial system of fluid measurement. I'm asleep. A jack is a half gill. Okay. So that whole idea of the king trying to like change taxa- taxation on measurements. Right. It's thought then that maybe Jack and Gil was supposed to be like a, yeah. almost like a political cartoon of that notion. Right. Which is weird, crazy. Except I would, I would be like, no, stop it, <laughs> just stop talking. So we- it's weird to except that original woodcutting of Jack and Gill exists. That's right. That is really weird. Yeah. It's weird to have like a political limerick that's um, targeted to children. Yeah, no, I completely. You know, it's yeah. one thing to write a poem or something that's like an allegory for the way the man keeps us down, but like a children's nursery rhyme. Yeah, for real. Yeah, um, so insidious. The other thing is that uh, Jack and Jill were typically sort of like characters used together. They were uh-huh. almost a shorthand for a ro- like a romantically involved couple. Yeah, Shakespeare oh. would throw the words out generically, like Jack, you know, lost his Jill, right? Something like that. Uh-huh. And like we've already talked about how um, you know Jack or or will mm-hmm. actually were uh, sort of generic terms for boys that were used in the stories. So I yeah. guess Jill just sort of became yeah. the counterpart there. Uh, but so similar to Ring Around the Rosie, it might just be meant to be sort of like silly uh-huh. and fun, which I think is probably the more likely right. deal, especially because they go up a hill to find water when you typically expect to find water at the bottom. So it's supposed to be sort of playing on. Yeah, the down is up, up is down. Yeah, they're okay. going up, so they have to come down. Yeah. Um. Oh boy. Why well, don't I'm just gonna skip this one entirely. What was it? Just out of curiosity. Uh, you don't have to say it, but Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Is it not fun? It's not that fun. It's it's just really really weird. Yeah. I'll just say it real. Sure. Fast, yeah. Like I'm curious. Yeah. So the original rhyme. Do you know it? Not really, Mary. No, no. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How oh, does yeah, your that's garden right. Grow? Yeah. With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. Uh, except there are alternate versions that are really, really bizarre. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them, and I tried researching to see if th- they mean this literally. Mistress Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells, sing cuckolds all in a row. Wait, si- what cuckolds? Sing cuckolds all in like a row. Cuckolds Weird. are singing. And I don't understand why that would be. That yeah. was really one of like the frequently printed versions. And it seems like they literally might be talking about cuckolds, which yeah. are like... Uh, like cheated on men. Yes. So I don't really understand, hmm. uh, but some of the, the theories... The old here, times were weird. Oh, they were so weird. Um, I'll, I'll give you this one. Yeah, what's the best one? The best one is this. The theory is that... Uh, uh, Mary Mary Quite Contrary refers to Queen Mary I of England, mm-hmm. also known as Bloody Mary. Right. Uh, her time as queen was spent executing Protestants by the hundreds. <laughs> These silver bells and cockle shells, cockle shells are like um, oyster sh- or uh, like clam shells. Okay. Kind of. 
are torture devices that oh. earned Queen Mary her dark, morbid nickname. Ooh. The rhyme apparently also takes jabs at the staunchly Catholic queen's lack of an heir after many miscarriages. It is hinted at twice. First in the line, how does your garden grow? Ah. Uh, which is literally like, she's like, like barren. proliferation. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then again with pretty maids all in a row. Oh. Which there are none. Oh, man. D- does it seem like that's legit? I have no idea. That's uh, cutting. You know what? I'm going to say no. Yeah. The first recorded instance of the rhyme at all uh-huh. is in the 1700s. Okay. Uh, Queen Mary the first was from the, the 1500s. Right. So that's quite a jump. Pretty much not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Three blind mice. Okay. Sing it, Chrissy. Hmm. I don't know. Three blind mice, three blind mice. Something like all in a row. See how they run. Oh, you got it. See, See how, how they run. run. See how they run. <laughs> they all <laughs> ran after the farmer's <laughs> wife who cut off their tails with a carving knife. Did you ever see such a sight in your life as three blind mice? mice. Okay. Um, people have theorized that this song is about Queen Mary the First of England. Uh-huh. Man, all these queens <laughs> and kings. There are a lot of queens. royal ties. Well, are guess, pretty much know, all of them like linked to royalty things? A lot of them are. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say all. I mean, of them. I guess they were like the mega celebrities you were talking about all yes. the time at the time. And and you know, like powerful figures, not just celebrities. Like they're the, yeah. you know, there's no internet. The people that you hear the most about are them. Yeah, and the people that might have been singing this would have been like trying to like you know take him down a peg or two. Yeah, right. Like that you know. Yeah, it's a small act of rebellion. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> so, but it's referring to Queen Mary the First of England blinding and executing three Protestant bishops. God. Um. However, the Oxford martyrs uh. Ridley, Latimer, and Cranmer. Oh. Uh, Cosmo Cranmer. <laughs> were, they were burned at the stake, not blinded. Though, if the rhyme was made by crypto Catholics, what is that? I don't know crypto catholics so if crypto means kind of like hidden puzzly sort of thing are we talking about some da vinci code stuff maybe maybe huh uh, because they get into like real deep theorizing here. crypto they catholics. suggest that the protestants weren't literally blinded but the mice the blindness of the mice could refer to their protestantism wow <laughs> they were blind to the right to the yeah, yeah. wowie kazowie uh Yes, man. Way to take a very, very heavy, kind of layered subject and (laughs) turn it on its head. True. Uh, Now, the first known publication date of this rhyme is 1609, which Uh is after Queen Mary the first died, but a good while after she died. Yeah, yeah. So she wasn't quite as much in the public eye. Yeah, (laughs) or like thoughts of her. I know she wasn't, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, thinking about her that much. Now, here's the original, original version. Okay. Really crazy. It's like it's hard to read. Yeah. I just like the way it ends. Three blind, the uh, three blind mice, three blind mice. Damn Lulian, damn Lulian. No idea what it means. Okay. The miller and his merry old wife. She scraped her tripe lick, though the knife. She scraped her tripe lick, thou the knife. Yeah. Is that well? Is it like thou or thou? Like thou, like meaning like you, me, I whatever. I don't know. I just she like the way it sounds. Her tripe. Licked thou the knife. Maybe this won't be so good for a podcast. It's just like crazy yeah. old English. Yeah. But I like that this final line is so confusing, but it feels sinister. I don't want to know the truth. It does really sound sinister. On. The well, miller tripe- and his merry old wife, she scraped her tripe, lick though the knife. So tripe is like, it's it's like a stomach or something of an animal, I think. Yeah. So is it that she like, I don't know. I can't tell if she scraped the tripe and then she licked the knife or she made somebody else lick the knife. I have no idea. Weird. Um, all right, speed round for the next two. Okay. Humpty Dumpty is really boring. It's about a cannon. It's about a literal cannon. Fell off a wall. 
A real bummer. <laughs> the cannon fell. I thought it was going to be that, like, the cannon shot and something like fell off the wall. Apart or yes, something like that. or the cannon shell or ball somehow came apart in the, its explosion. No. Does a cannonball explode? Is that what happens? No, I, I don't. It's not like so. a bomb. <laughs> no, it just like causes yeah, yeah, like, yeah. mass devastation. It's right. just like a big dense object moving right. way too fast. Right. I was thinking when I thought about the cannonball exploding, that's what it is. I had a second of like, I don't think that's how cannons work. No. Um, all right, Rockabye Baby. Okay. Sing the song. Rockabye Baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come baby cradle and all. Yep. Very good. Uh, uh, that, that is messed up. <laughs> it's weird, but like, I guess the idea is that you're supposed to, because the way I've always seen it depicted or whatever, uh-huh. is that you're you're holding the baby in your arms, yeah, singing to it, and when you get like, down will come baby cradle, and, <laughs> and when you all, get tired of holding the baby, you just drop it. Sure, just let it go. <laughs> no, it's like that's when you're lowering it into its cradle to go to bed. Oh, that sounds nice. Right? So it's yeah. sort of sweet. Yes. There are most of the theories of the, the niceness of it. and everything. Like, that sounds like violent. You know what I mean? When like, the I think breaks, you're I think you're right. Yeah. Like, I think that is what the deal is, but reading the poem itself is like not nice sounding true that's why there is some dark interpretations of it yeah uh but like most of them are just like sort of gentle swaying of branches mm-hmm. like things that are nice and gentle and, yeah and whatever but uh no there are of course like really frightening <laughs> interpretations as always yeah uh and again here's a really lofty one <laughs> it refers to king james the second of england oh my god <laughs> enough with these kings <laughs> the king and his wife, Mary of Modena, were Ooh, unable to Matthew produce... Matthew of Modena. <laughs> Matthew of Modena. <laughs> Quick trivia, my friend Katie served Matthew Modena at a drive through Mark McDonald's once. Is that right? That's right. Uh, Matthew I and Modena nice. are the names of two of yep. Jiminy Glick's yes, four, right. four strapping that's young boys. That's right. Yeah. It all comes together. And it always does. He's got four strapping young boys, Morgan, Mason, Matthew, and Modena. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, oh god they were unable to produce a catholic heir mm-hmm. so they apparently had a baby boy smuggled into the birthing room and claimed as their own oh god from where I don't know. from whence did I, it come i don't know we're not supposed to know <laughs> no here's another theory the song is based around a 17th century ritual that took place after a newborn baby had died the mothers would hang the child from a basket on a branch in a tree and waited to see if they would come back to life. Oh, God. The line, when the bow breaks, the baby will fall, would suggest that the baby was dead weight, so heavy enough as to break the branch. Okay, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, no, it's, ugh, that's terrible. Real quick, what was the first one again? The first one you said of that? The baby will fall thing? The Well, not the first first. Before you just said the last one. Oh, the the King James II of England and his wife smuggled in a baby from elsewhere to pretend it was theirs. Right. So how does that correspond to the nursery rhyme? Is it is the idea that a baby fell from a tree somewhere and they smuggled it in to become theirs? Like, what does that have to do with with the rhyme? I have know? no idea. All this says That's is weird. It, it said that Rockabye baby refers to King James II of England. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's a big baby. And but I guess rocked. that's just one of the theories that people Maybe think Queen the song James rocked his world. Is alluding to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool and weird. Yeah. But so, like, uh, to challenge the notion that Rockabye Baby is supposed to be gentle and slow mm-hmm. and whatever, there are some who suggest that the song is intended to be sung while tossing the baby up in the air and catching them. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, and they pointed out uh, the similarity to a rhyme from the Oxford Nursery Rhyme Book. Okay. So there's a different rhyme. 
that sounds similar, similar melody. Yeah. And so they think they're supposed to be used about tossing a baby in the sky and catching them. Okay. Uh, uh, I feel like it's not going to end well. <laughs> I'm cat- concerned. <laughs> catch him, crow. Catch him, kite. Take him away till the apples are ripe. What the hell? When they are ripe and ready to fall, here comes baby, apples and all. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> are they whooping because they don't have to worry about taking care of a child for a few months? Maybe. I don't know. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Down will come baby, That's- apples and all. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Catch him, crow. Catch him, kite. What the hell? Take him away till the apples are ripe. Asking for your baby to be taken away. This is yeah. a fun nursery rhyme. Yeah. When they are also, ripe and ready to fall, here comes baby, apples and all. Woo woo. Also, a kite isn't sentient the way that a crow is. Yeah, a kite's like not going to take the baby away. Like a crow, at least, you know, yeah. has some sort of brain. So in this fantasy world, maybe it could take the baby away and bring it back when the apples are ripe. But that, that kite's just going to take the baby Away no, to I did, see. I didn't say these would make a lick of sense. <laughs> I just said these are things that people used to say. All right, which leads us to our final one, okay. which I love. Okay. All right. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. Okay. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife but couldn't keep her or mm-hmm. feed her. Keep, keep her. her. Oh, man. He put something her- about her, a, a finger or something? What? A thumb? Does anything happen? No, you're thinking about the little boy who put his thumb in a pot. Yes, said, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. I? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just literal. I think there was some stupid kid who just was cramming his thumbs in the pie. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. of. Okay, so what happens to Pumpkin Eater's wife? Get yon hands out of our pie. <laughs> yeah. Thou knife scraping pie. You are not a good boy. <laughs> you have ruined the plum pie. <laughs> Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife but couldn't keep her. I wonder if, real quick, I wonder if I thought it because pumpkin, pumpkin pie. Probably. Go ahead. Yeah. He put her in a pumpkin shell and there he kept her very well. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had another and didn't love her. Ooh. Peter learned to read and spell and then he loved her very well. Oh, okay. Don't understand it. He had two wives though. One of them he right. put in a shell. Right. Uh, so here are some of the ideas. The pumpkin shell is a metaphor for a chastity belt. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just a metaphor and not an actual chastity right. belt. Just stinky ass, mushy pumpkin. <laughs> Stankin'. Stank ass yeah, pumpkin back in the, on your ass. Back in the past, they used to wear pumpkins as <laughs> underwear. <laughs> they were a bunch of freaks. <laughs> you know, they actually Top of the morning. use them as diapers. <laughs> Knock on their pumpkin shell <laughs> pants. How are you? As a way of saying hello. Guten morning. Guten morning. He had a wife and couldn't keep her. Might have been referring to the fact that she cheated on him uh-huh. or was uh, a sex worker. I like this. Well, you know what I mean. Right. Um, he put her in a pumpkin shell. Yeah. He murdered her. <laughs> so wait, is this an alternate theory or is this still the pumpkin is the chastity belt? No, 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 no. These are the, the chastity belt is its own theory. Okay, I thought the chastity bolt belt corresponded. No, no, no. He to... couldn't keep her, so he made her wear a pumpkin. Right. A pumpkin rind. Yeah. What is I... that? Shell. Shell. Pumpkin shell. Pumpkin. What do you call the outside of a pumpkin? Skin. Pumpkin skin. <laughs> <laughs> Something's it's not wrong. Pumpkin spin- skin. I think you're right. I think it's rind. I think it might be rind. Yeah, watermelon rind. Right. Yeah. He made yeah. her wear watermelon in the summer. Let's. You know how we work it out? Kristen, you didn't cut far enough into the rind to make this pumpkin, right? To make this pumpkin. Oh, I mean, to make this jack-o'-lantern. 
<laughs> You're weird. Remember when I tried to make a jack-o'-lantern and I like barely scooped out the middle? It was it was bizarre. <laughs> Chris, we were making jack-o'-lanterns and Chris was like, yeah, I think I scooped mine out. And we're cutting into it, it and it so looked all boring. disgusting and hairy it inside. so boring and gross. Because you know like the, the pumpkin stuff inside dangles and it's all yeah. stringy and gross. I hate it. I hate she it. was cutting through the eyes and it looked disgusting in there. So I was like, you know what? Here, I'll clean it out. And it was as if she had not touched it at all. I hopped it out. <laughs> I thought, you know, there was, a, there was a hollow in the middle. I'll still just cut through what's so there. gross. I love making jack-o'-lanterns. Uh, you know. I wish it were time now. Almost. Um, Almost, my sweet brother. Now, this one's going to shock you. Okay. Bustle.com says that it's about the 13th century English King John. Uh, you don't say. Who famously bricked a rebellious noble's wife into a wall to starve to death. Oh, my God. Why? That was the pumpkin shell, a wall. But why did he do that? Do you know? Uh, Cask of Amontillado. I know. Yeah, because that guy was a rebellious noble. So he punished him by messing up his wife? Yeah. That's terrible. I tried doing some research on this, yeah. and I started wondering if I was reading the right thing, uh-huh. and then eventually I just gave up. Yeah. The point is, it's referring to yet another king yeah. who did yet another crazy thing. God. Yeah. Uh, all right, so here's the actual origin. Okay. And this basically just took me down a little road that I did not anticipate and brought me to a very cool place. Great. Um, <clears throat> the first surviving version of the rhyme was published in 1797. Um a verse collected in Scotland and published in 1868 had the words, Peter, my Nieper, N-E-E-P-E-R. Okay. Peter, my Nieper, had a wife and he couldn't keep her. He put her in the wall and let the mice eat her. That is the clunkiest nursery rhyme I've ever heard of. Maybe it's, cl- it's maybe clunkier than the tripe knifing thing from earlier. Oh, it's way worse. Because I, 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 I didn't even like really read the apostrophes. There are a yeah. lot in here. I guess because it's written with a Scottish accent. Oh my I don't know. God. Peter, my neighbor, had a wife and he quidna keeper. He put her in the wa and let out a mice eater. Oh my <laughs> I kind God. Kind of did an Italian thing there, but whatever. <laughs> a little bit, but. So then Wikipedia said that that. Peter, my Nieper, uh-huh. might have some connection to a little known rhyme called Eper Nieper. Oh my God. What's that? It is this. I don't feel good about it. Oh, Eeper Weeper. Sorry. Okay. Eeper Weeper, chimney sweeper, had a wife but couldn't keep her. Had another, didn't love her. Up the chimney, he did shove her. Oh, God. Sweet, though. So, and I have no idea where that comes from. There's no origin for that. My God. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. I can't imagine why that isn't more popular and people haven't done more research into it. And Eeper Weeper Chimney Sweeper. Eeper Weeper? Eeper Weeper. Neither of which are I names. Bet, no, I bet those wives weren't so hot on him either with a crazy name like that. At least he has a job. All Peter does is eat pumpkin all day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. At least this guy can provide. I guess. Had the another didn't love her. the last name Weeper? Up the chimney he did shove her. God, I mean that... It's sweet. It's a sweet rhyme. Yeah. Deadly. <laughs> yeah. So if, you, uh, if you're if you out there Fiddle. friends with anybody named Eeper Weeper, my, run! My condolences. <laughs> Check the chimney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, those are some uh, bizarre nursery rhymes and uh, the somewhat deadly, mostly confusing origins. So weird. Yeah. Man. For sure, my favorite is Peter... Peter Pumpkin Eater. Yeah. It's just sure. so that bizarre. Has, yeah, that has the most juice in it. Yes. So to speak. Pumpkin oh, juice. Yeah. Ooh. Pumpkin juice, delicious. I know. Okay, William. So I'm going to tell you about different methods of divination. Oh, cool. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. 
So first, let's talk about what divination is. Yeah. So it's basically an attempt to gather information from the other side or just the out there. Basically things we can't see through their spirits or maybe just like energy kind of stuff um, through something that's fixed and systematic. So you're giving those things something that is like easily decodable that they can talk through you're giving you and it's like following like a set of rules yes yeah basically yeah so i mean depending on what thing it is like so that it's like most of them it's pretty distinct even if there's like a lot of vagary around it it's like if this thing happens it means yes if that thing happens it means no there's something a little more amorphous than that i shouldn't say it's usually like that but that's the basic definition of it is that you're taking what could be out there but can't come through clearly without you doing this thing right a mode of communicating with so you. like a ouija board yes yep is a mode of divination yep yeah yep a ouija board um but there are also just little things that are just kind of like they've just become so commonplace like flipping a coin is really a mode of divination. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're just trying this out, yes or no, and we just take it for granted that's just like, yeah, 50-50 shot, but that originated as you're asking somebody something. So somebody was responsible for yeah. changing the flip in right. midair mm-hmm. so that it could give you a yes, no on a thing. Yep. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's sweet, right? Yeah, and that's funny because that is obviously one that stuck around and got normalized because mm-hmm. it does have meaning outside of a spiritual context. Yeah, exactly. There are only two conceivable answers. Mm-hmm. So even if you believe that nothing is influencing the turn of the coin. Right, there's still an answer you're there. You're still getting an answer. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. That's yeah, interesting. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. So basically, like, obviously, is it legit? Is it wishful thinking and superstition? Like, we can't know for sure. Um, there's a whole raging debate about it. You know, some people feel very, very passionately about divination as an aspect of their spiritual beliefs or religion. Some people feel very, very passionately from a skeptic's perspective and think that's very harmful. Yeah. I think it can be, depending on what's going on, because there are some people who get a lot from it and are doing just kind of honestly and whatever there are some people who are using it to manipulate others there's also an argument for saying like well if these people are manipulated in a way that benefits them is it that harmful it's a whole thing that i'm not going to get super into fair enough yeah i'm just going to talk about different cool modes of doing it love it okay so i was debating about doing this or not this week i knew i do it sometime and um i had a couple different topic ideas for today And then when I was driving to work, I saw an acorn on my windshield and I thought to myself, aren't acorns sometimes used as a a form of of divination? I'm going to look that up. And if they are, then I'll do divination today. So it was almost like I did a little divination with the acorn on my windshield. So it guided me. This means that acorns are used in divination? That's correct, William. So it's very simple. What do squirrels know that we don't? (laughs) squirrels probably have it all well they're they're always going nuts the top of an acorn as far as like symbolism that's it's not used for acorn divination but like as far as the world of symbols that might be used in other forms of divination the top of an acorn is known to symbolize health and well-being like the little hat yes little hat may have this backwards maybe that's like money (laughs) poison and death yeah no no it's all good (laughs) maybe that's like living well and abundance or something and then the bottom is like your health and well-being okay not sure but it's it's good news so squirrels are doing just fine don't worry about them hey what's a uh what's a squirrel's favorite album it's not the squirrel nut zippers i would think <laughs> i don't know a corn album oh my god <laughs> molly didn't like that why would she 
All right. Like, no, it is a squirrel on zippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what song did they do? Is that Zoot Suit no Riot? Idea. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Okay, so what you can do with acorns, it's actually not that exciting, but because I came to this topic because I saw an acorn, I felt I had to um, put it in. So what you can do is take a bowl of water or a cauldron of water and place two acorns in it, preferably at the full moon. And depending on what you're inquiring about or asking, you could have an acorn with a Y and an N for yes and no. Okay. Or you could have an acorn. I saw an example of um, if you're asking about a love life thing with you and somebody else, your initial and that other person's initial. Huh. So if it's a yes and no question, you're placing the acorns in there at you know basically the same spot. And whichever one drifts over to the side of the bowl or cauldron near you is your answer. Um, if it's a question of a relationshipy thing, then if the two acorns come together, you guys are going to be together. Everything's cool. If they drift apart, then it seems like you're going to part ways at some point or it's just not even going to happen. Yeah. And if they stay stationary, do it again, you dummy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ask again later. So that's where that's where flipping a coin really wins. Right. Because there's no it's there's an answer there. For <laughs> Unless sure. it lands on its side, which is right. not likely. Right. Otherwise, you got to get a bowl of water and a couple of acorns. <laughs> well, I mean, how hard would that be? Come on. <laughs> so speaking of ask again later, William, what about the magic eight ball? Oh, what are its origins? I wonder. So I hope you know. <laughs> 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 I just, I'm asking you, what are its origins? I really wonder what it could be. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was developed. It had a long road to the form that we know it in now. Its original origin was the um, the psycho seer, S-Y-C-O, meaning kind of like psychic. Okay. It was developed by a guy whose mom worked as a clairvoyant. And so he designed it based on something that she used to do. So he was fascinated by fascinated by one of her fortune telling inventions, um, which they called the psycho slate. The psycho slate consisted of a small chalkboard that could be placed inside of a sealed container. While with a client, Mary, his mother, would close the lid of the container and ask a question aloud to the other world. To her client's amazement, the room would fill with the sounds of chalk scribbling across the board. When the scratchings died down, Mary would then open the container to reveal the answer as dictated by the spirits. While no one is quite sure how exactly Mary achieved the results, it's safe to say that this inspired her son to create his own version of the psycho slate, one that didn't require any psychic ability. Wow. Yeah. So the original psycho slate was this um, this tube that had liquid in it, like a magic eight ball, and then it had a little viewing window on other side of it, and it had a little die in there with different things written on it. So it's the same basic principle as the magic eight ball, but um, just kind of a different format. Yeah. So he had that, and then he brought the design to um, a store owner and said, like, hey, what do you think of this? Do you think that this is something that you would sell in your store? And the guy was like, I really think you have something here. As a matter of fact, I think that we should go talk to somebody and try to get this mass produced. Yeah. And so they did that and the people were into it. And it was they were like, yeah, let's do this thing. But to cut down on costs, they made it smaller and they eliminated one of the windows. So it wasn't a tube anymore. It was kind of like a square thing with one window. Okay. And um, they called the, the psycho slate uh the psycho slate pocket fortune teller okay so then as a marketing gimmick they put it inside a crystal ball to try to get people to buy it more and it didn't really boost sales or do anything but it caught the eye of the brunswick brunswick billiards company 
who thought it was really cool and they were looking for a fun item to use as a pro- promotional giveaway and they asked if they could redesign it as an eight ball to give away to promote the billiards company and the giveaway was a success so then the magic eight ball company just kept it that way that's crazy isn't that nuts yeah so it has its origins in somebody believing that yeah this thing is a legit tool for talking to, to the other answers. side like a legit divination thing not just a silly toy which yeah. i didn't know no. i just figured it was just like a toy never would have occurred to me and so it wasn't even marketed as a toy at first it didn't become marketed as a toy until honestly the like business guy just started noticing that kids were really buying it a lot so he's like well let's play into that and market it as a straight-up toy yeah wow Weird, right? Yeah, that's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, so another thing that developed into something that's different than its origins um, are dice. Like, you know, in dice games or whatever. Yeah. They originated from the idea of throwing bones to um, to read patterns and things in the bones. So literal animal bones. Um that was used mostly in hoodoo, um, which is its origins in African culture. And so you would throw the bones of specific animals, obtain specific ways. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And you would throw them like you throw dice. And based on the way that they laid, it told you something. Huh. Um, so there are a bunch of thorms, forms of this that are all throughout the world. Um, a lot of people use bones, but there's also throwing stones, shells, pebbles, etc. But that's where the phrase roll them bones comes from. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Huh. They do that in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, uh, with bones? Yeah, or? Tia yeah, Dalma, yeah. who's uh-huh. like a voodoo priestess, she uh, throws the bones. Huh. Yeah. She calls them like the bones of destiny or something like that. I don't know. Cool. cool. I mean, that sounds totally sweet. Yeah. It works for me. Um, another really common and cool form of divination is reading tea leaves. Yeah. Um. So what you do is you make a cup of loose leaf tea. Don't use that bag. All right. We're not looking for any big gloves here. (laughs) And um, you drink the tea. And I like to imagine that's kind of like a nice chill time where maybe you're thinking about what it is that you want to learn about. Maybe it's like a little bit of a meditative thing. Yeah. And then once you've drunk it and the loose leaves are just in the bottom of the cup, you swirl the cup until the leaves have settled. And some people have like specific methods for this. A lot of people think that you should do it in threes. People just have ways that they like to sort of move the cup around that they feel like work best. And then you interpret the shape that you see. And so some people go by um, like prescribed definitions of symbols that have been kind of like passed down through the years that I think are specific to reading tea leaves. Um, and other people just kind of like go by what their intuition is telling them about the shape they're seeing. So some some person, I think an example that I read is that one person could see a dog and be like, okay, that's a sign of loyalty and stuff. And um, another person could see that as a sign of warning. Not unlike the Grimm from Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, they make teacups that have certain guidelines on them. You can use any kind of teacup, but there are some that have like the Wheel of the Zodiac. And then it makes, you know, it's significant if more tea leaves are on a certain section or whatever, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. And I also thought it was interesting that it only became popular reading tea leaves um, once the Chinese tea trade came to Europe, but they still used basically the same method of divination previous to that, but using spe- uh, splatters of wax. Oh, like from a candle? Yeah. Like as as it just happened to land or they would deliberately splatter it about? You answer an interesting question, William. 
I wish that I had a divinatory tool to give you the answer. Huh. I'm not sure. Well, it's whatever I want it to be then. They yes. splatter it around the room. Exactly. <laughs> Splash it all over the house. Yeah, which yeah. is so much of divination. It yeah. can be whatever you want it to be, basically. Now, what happens if you're sipping your tea and you accidentally eat a bunch of the uh, <laughs> the ground-up tea? I would imagine that means that whatever like uh, prophecy is given to you is going to be even more potent because Ooh. you've taken some of it into yourself I've at this point. Yeah. yeah. Or if you choke on this tea, those tea leaves a little bit, it's probably a bad omen. Yeah. So it could be like... Almost like uh, in so like in tarot card reading, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, some people see when you pull the reverse of a card as being kind of like the opposite of whatever that card means, or some sort of perversion of it. So maybe you could have like a good reading in your tea leaves, but because you choked on a tea leaf, that's like the opposite. The opposite of good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And apparently, it also could work with coffee grounds, which I know because there is a coffee ground reader who pops up on the Real Housewives sometimes. Oh. She's been very accurate. Very accurate. Has she? Yeah, kind of. What if, like, the I mean, first, I, have, like, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think so. I think Dorinda found some real meaning in what she said. What if the first truly real documented case of the paranormal or psychic ability appeared on Real Housewives? They do, they do paranormal storylines regularly. There's usually at least something a season. Like, it, there's usually a psychic that pops up. They do, like, a very special point. Halloween episode? Not exactly, but they do have their beats. I, you, I would say I, that they I'm, vary franchise by franchise, but there's usually some sort of psychic who shows up at some point. Yeah, um, yeah certain cities have certain things that happen. There's always a, a Christmas episode of or a string of episodes of Real Housewives of New York. Huh. I used to love it when shows would do a, a Halloween episode. Oh, totally. That's so exciting. Yeah. Especially if it's a show that's not really scary to begin with. It's like cool to see those people in a scary scenario. Yeah. Because it's so different from what their usual The Boy Meets is. World, uh, they did a very famous sort of Scream-inspired episode. Oh, I don't remember. Where they die off one by one. There's a killer chase. Yeah, it was great. Cool. Oh, remember the scary episodes of Salute Your Shorts? I do. With like Zeke the Plumber? I was just talking about Zeke the Plumber recently. Oh, yeah. so good. So good. All right, so let's talk, William, about what is arguably the big daddy of divination tools, yeah. tarot cards. So tarot cards, if anybody doesn't know, it, um, are cards that come in a 78-card deck, and um, they there are they kind of follow to a degree the format of regular playing cards you would think of. There are four suits. There are, um, you know, like king, queen night page or sometimes there are variations within those suits and then like ace through ten okay and there's another section of cards that are kind of like overarching theme sort of things i guess that deviates from the regular deck of cards but part of why they resemble regular decks of cards because they is because they actually started as just playing cards like they weren't initially used in their earliest incarnation which is probably not or definitely not the same as the incarnation that you think of today but tarot cards were just playing cards for a card game but they did have kind of like those archetypes and ideas and figures on them so the card game had this kind of like choose your own adventure sort of angle because the personality of that card sort of played into what you should do i wonder if you can still play whatever game that was you probably can i mean i I think that it's just not the same like i said kind of cards i think there's some variations to it but i guess you probably could that's interesting um and there are just tons of variations on them overall and also the the game changes by country but it was like a super duper popular thing and then it's very dispute so they're like tarot historians because they're like um 
you know, they're they're like old artifacts, like they're historical items. There right. are some people who really dedicate their lives to studying them. And um, and I'm sure just, you know, some historians touch on them here and there anyway, because they have been so prevalent all through history. So my point is it's super disputed. So don't take this as law because nobody totally knows. Um, but people think that it may have been seen as a divination tool like 300 years later. That was the first time there was a written reference to it as something that could be used to divine the future or communicate with anything. Yeah. Um, when a French Freemason saw the cards and he interpreted them as being visual tellings of the secrets of Egyptian gods. And in that time, and I'm sure a lot of times, but Egyptian spirituality was like very, very mystified and kind of held up as like, this is like some real stuff and um, like highly regarded. So like I said, over time, it's been interpreted and reinterpreted over and over. But the deck that you see and think of that has the most overlap with most decks that are made now is called the Rider Wade deck. Um, sometimes Rider Wade Smith, because Smith is the name of the woman who illustrated them. And most modern tarot cards are riff on it. So I think it's really interesting. So I like tarot cards. I'm going to say I'll get into a little bit more. But I think that it's interesting that this is one of the most prevalent and famous forms of divination because that sort of speaks to the fact that like human evolution has gone so many, so much further than it was when they sort of originated. And we have technology and we have all these different things and circumstances now, but there's still something about the stories that the tarot tells that resonates with people through all of those times. Like those stories that are going on all still make total sense, which is basically because a lot of people say, and it basically is true, although we don't know the exact origins of it, um, that the tarot deck is essentially just made of symbols, metaphors, and archetypes of every basic aspect of the human experience that anybody could have. And when you put them together in some sort of spread, which is kind of designating like this card on the left, so for con one, this card on the left uh, represents the past. This card in the middle represents the present. This card on the right represents the future. It's called the spread. And people make all kinds of different spreads based on the situation or what they kind of want to get from them. Um, those all tell a story. Like all of those different scenarios and types of people and symbols, you can link together and form a little story from them. So the thing that I think about tarot cards that's interesting and in different people's hands, it'll always mean something different because it's all kind of how you use them, the way it is with everything. Um, so the cards are sort of, you could, you could see the cards as being universal or you could see them as being vague. Like you could see those experiences as being something that everybody can relate to or you could see it as trickery to make you think that the reader is understanding something about you. You know what I mean? Like, so some people like will go to a psychic and they're very closed off and they like want to see what you know. Right. Some people feel that way about the tarot cards and they're, they're like, well, yeah, of course you're going to hear what you want to hear. Let's see because how this they're, plays out. Because right. they're, you know, because they're vague. But the thing is, in my view, is that they're intentionally vague. And that, again, you could just view that as universal because you're meant to project yourself onto the situation. That's not a drawback with tarot cards where you're like, well, that's the only reason it makes any sense is because you project your own experience. Like, that's basically the point of them. You want to project your own experience onto them because that's where you can get the most usefulness out of them is seeing like what you relate to or not in the cards that are in front of you and how you feel about that. Whether like something that's being played out in the story, something that you want and you're into, maybe you should be doing things in your life to kind of 
move you toward that story? Right. Or is the story something that you like really reject and you don't want? You might want to think about ways that you can make sure that that's not happening in your life. Huh. Yeah. But every time that I've done it, I've gotten the fool mm-hmm. and then like five cheeseburgers. Yeah. And then so a pizza see? card. Yeah. So you get it. And I go like, yeah, I love this. You're like, yeah, I get this. This clicks for me. This resonates. Yeah. Um, so they're really not something that you should approach or think about as like a, like I said, like a gotcha thing. Like you didn't figure this out or you're tricking me in order to make it seem like you know something. They're really something that like you should get the full usefulness out of them if you want to be willing to interact with and be fully open to talking about what you're wondering about with the person who's reading your cards or if you're reading your own cards or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously some people do have experiences of things like resonating super hard and it's seeming kind of supernatural. Like, man, these things like really like told me what's going on. This all really clicks. And that totally rules. But if that doesn't happen, you can still just use that as sort of like a guideline in your life. Okay. So they're, they're cool. So like I said, um, you know, how they're used is on the eye of the, person using them like you could believe that they're divining things that they are telling you your future and you could take that very literally um or you could interpret it almost as kind of like a mental or conversational prompt to like i said notice how these things go together and how they relate to your life and how you feel about that it's funny that almost feels to me like that idea of um let's go back to flipping a coin where Mm -hmm. it's like I'll, I'll flip a coin. Should I do A or B? Yeah. And the coins lands heads, but you're like, oh, I really wish it had been tails. Yeah. Well, now you know exactly. which of the two you really preferred. It's exactly that. So I see it as that. Like mm-hmm. the, the cards are telling a story that uh, I'm not really connecting with or they are in contrast to what I really feel about myself right. or something. Then right. you know how you really feel. Right. Exactly. You have free will in it. You don't have to be like, oh, crap. They say this is going on. That's, that's what's happening. You can be like... Huh, all right, so I'm going to work against that because yeah. I actually don't like that. It's actually a better tool to clarify how – because sometimes like you get lost in your own head. Exactly. You're like, I don't even know how I feel about my situation. Right. But when somebody puts it to you from a different point of view, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, okay, I finally see it clearly. Yeah, it gives you this kind of like outside context for understanding things in your own mind. Interesting. Um, which I think is really awesome. Like actually there are some like – um, psychiatrists and therapists to use them just for that purpose because it does kind of like unlock a little bit of maybe your subconscious or the way you feel about things. It's just like really a useful tool. So I think they're awesome. Um, I've used them sporadically. Like I've had tarot cards like off and on since I was like young. I don't even know, but I know that I've like had tarot decks and stuff and they hadn't ever really clicked to me. Like I thought that they were a really cool thing. I would read the little packet that came with them or then with the internet, I'd like read about them online. And I was like, man, I really want to get this, but like, I just don't like maybe it's one of those things where it's like, all right, it's cool to have. And like, that can be other people's thing and I can like learn from them or something, but like maybe it's just like it doesn't click for me and that's fine. And then recently, for whatever reason, it just start it started clicking for me. Like yeah. I'll just do spreads like not very often, but like every once in a while for things. And um I just like read the thing and read and like look at the card there and be like, okay. And like didn't really make any sense. And for some reason I've recently been able to see the story and how they all link together and stuff like that. Um, I think I've understood a little bit more the way that you're supposed to interpret them. Like you're supposed to project yourself into that and see what happens. Yeah. So, well, but probably the reason that you've been drawn to do it, Mm -hmm. like 
is because you d- did feel like there was something in there to attain. Like I yeah. kept trying to watch the show Twin Peaks and I hated it. Yeah. But I just kept trying to watch yeah, it because exactly. it, it's like somebody, people love this. Why don't I love it? And then someday, one day it finally clicked. It's exactly that. So like even if you did it sporadically, I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like you put the, the radical in sporadically. You know, I really do. Yeah, you put the rad the in radi- sporadic. The radically. Yeah. <laughs> sporadically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I truly do. Well, I truly yeah. do. Um, so because of that, I've been more, re- I've been more interested in them recently so it's probably a combination of the fact that i really like things that sort of like give you a different look at yourself and anything that's kind of like a tool for like good mental health and hygiene plus i like the spooky and mysterious so that obviously has a dash of that um so i've really enjoyed them lately and to that end i would like to announce here on the show that i'm going to start on mondays posting a tarot card of the week for all of our guide to the unknown listeners slash followers that's cool that i will interpret that you then can see how you feel about see if you want to fold that into your week or not that's awesome because basically i've been trying to learn a little bit more about them privately so i've been playing a not even every day but playing card every once in a while reading the description thinking about how that makes sense to me and how I would rewrite that and writing it down so I can like integrate it a little bit more. And I was like, well, why don't I do that publicly? Right. Why not? I have a spooky show. Yeah, that's cool. Might be fun. I like that. So every Monday, check out at GTTU pod, wherever, and there'll be a little tarot card, one card reading. Very cool. For whoever is listening to the show. So my thoughts, since I'm going to be doing it about tarot are basically that yes, it's a great tool and that you can notice all these things about yourself. Where the sort of magic-y part comes in is that I do like to wonder if somehow when I'm thinking about the people who are watching the show or whatever or listening to the show and I pull a card, whether that's meant for them. Mm-hmm. When I pull a card, I wonder if it's meant for me to be seen at that time. I do kind of think that. Well, that's so also- that's where I sort of fold in the... The spookity wookity. It's also interesting because these cards, if they mm-hmm. were originally designed to contact the spirit world, mm-hmm. they could not foresee the age of the internet. Yeah. And that you might be contacting like, yeah. hundreds and thousands of people mm-hmm. uh, by using a, a tarot card. So they really could be targeted for anyone. Yeah. For groups of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It That's could be cool. that like the, this was meant for everybody who follows God's the Unknown to see. Yeah. You know, theoretically. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's a thing that a lot of like modern tarot readers do is put like tarot scopes online and stuff. Huh. And so I'm not saying I'm a professional tarot reader in any way. Right. I'm fully just learning, but I thought maybe you guys would enjoy seeing me learn and, and participating in yeah, it a little bit. Yeah. That sounds really cool and weird. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I think it should be fun. Um, so to sum up, William, divination, is it magic? Is it a gut feeling, just your intuition, like something that allows you to put aside the critical part of your mind and just focus on this thing that's going to tell you what you want to know? Is your intuition a little bit connected to magic? Who knows? It's funny because I feel like that's something that these are methods yeah. that you've just talked about, but really it's, if you think about it, it's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like I'll play video games and be like, all right, well, if I die in this level, I'll do the dishes. Right, right. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't die in the level. I guess I better keep going. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's taking the decision out of my hands. Yes. I'm not saying that a ghost is making me win or lose a game, mm-hmm. but it's something to to well, take the onus off yourself. Yeah. Yeah. For for some things, for sure. Yeah. Like if you don't want to have a responsibility over making the decision, which could be a good or bad thing. If you're somebody who like chronically overthinks right. and you're driving yourself crazy with that compulsion, maybe it feels a little bit good to take your hands off the wheel and be like, all right, for this, you know, if it's something simple and not life altering, yeah. to be like, all right, let's see what happens. 
and you know then yeah. then move on with your life because that decision was made True. but in that case it doesn't sound like that would be divination that's just you with yourself saying that right or are you saying like all right out there if i make this level you know what i mean uh no like i'll be playing like friday the 13th the game and like mm. i'll just like you know, mutter you know a little a little prayer to 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 pamela Voorhees <laughs> and say you know if you let me defeat your son i will take out the trash right and then really whatever happens then is up to her that's right it's in pamela's hands that's absolutely right <laughs> no but seriously what you're saying that doesn't sound like divination that just sounds like a bargain with yourself yeah i guess so yeah. I, I don't know I, anything to like you said like take your hands off the wheel mm -hmm. it's like my hands are tied whatever whatever the outcome right. is right i must right go do a or b right yeah but you can always override it you know what i mean you could always be like well i take your i hear your advice but i don't take it and i frequently do yeah <laughs> oh i lost <laughs> and i all. still don't want to take out the trash <laughs> another level please interesting get back we to work mario <laughs> You're working so I don't have to. Yeah. I mean, we all ask questions sometimes that we don't want to hear the answer to that we don't want, and we get that answer and we're like, mm, yeah, yeah. You know nothing. Yeah. So that's still there's still free will involved. Yeah. But it's sure. all your I mean, it's all your perspective. For some people, maybe there's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, but maybe they don't think of it that way right. or whatever. Right. So super interesting. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So that's that. All right. Well, that takes us to the end of another episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's right. We leave with our heads full of new facts. Mm -hmm. They truly are. Yeah. This one really was. These were like yeah. two listicles that yeah. we just did. Totally. Top five weird nursery rides. I do a lot of listicles, actually. Uh, on the show? Yeah. So have I. Yeah. yeah. They're interesting. Yeah. Sometimes they're bundles of facts that go together. Methods of divination you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Number three is crazy. I tried to pick the most interesting ones or the widest ranging. Like yeah. there were some that just have a lot of overlap with each other, which is sweet, but like. There's no need for me to be like, scrying is basically the same as tea leaves, right. but I'm not going to, but I'm going to tell you all about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I tried to pick stuff that's like kind of unusual. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't really think of nursery rhymes. Like, yeah, we're, we're not, I haven't thought about that in forever. Like yeah. I've heard of that London Bridge thing or I mean, um, well, London Bridge is one, isn't Humpy it? Dumpy Dumpy? No, I, I meant Ring Around the Rosie. Is London Bridge? London Bridge is falling down. Yeah. Yeah. I read one small thing about that. And it was that it was like built on the backs of people or something oh like that. Yeah. I don't know. Of course it was. King Charles did it too. So. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Damn kings. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, if you want more of us, mm -hmm. like Kristen said, go follow at GTTU pod. Yep. Not only will you be able to talk to us and get crazy news from the world of horror, mm -hmm. you'll also get to see a, a tarot card reading on Mondays. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow us individually. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram. I am at Haunted Sponge. Uh, please also check out our Patreon mm -hmm. uh, yep. where you can give back to the show. You can donate monthly, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Give us a, uh, a review on iTunes to help spread the word and cement your feelings about the show. Tell <laughs> us what you really think. Right. Set them in stone. Essentially, anything that you can do to spread the word yes. of Guide to the Unknown, please consider doing that, yeah. whether that's writing something online or just telling somebody who you think might also be into this show. Yes. Yeah, super, super appreciate it. I'm really loving it. I've said it on other episodes, but I'm just really loving Loving this community of people who are into spooky stuff. Everybody is so nice, and I want to meet 
more of you slash them. So like bring them on in. Yeah. And uh, once again, we always record this show live mm-hmm. on facebook.com slash GTTU pod, where it's really nice to see that within seconds of going live, we know people it's are going crazy. to show up and say hi and yeah. share the show. And it's so, awesome. yeah, check out our Facebook group mm-hmm. on top of that. But basically, it's really nice that we do have this community of people that seem to enjoy what we do and, and want to talk back to us. Yeah, totally. Um, I was nervous to... uh like I've been thinking about the tarot card idea for a few weeks. And I was like, oh, but it's weird. And I'm like, not a real tarot card reader. So like, I was, but I was like, everybody's so like, what are they? Everybody's yeah. so nice. We're not real broadcasters. <laughs> I know. You know, like we're not real anything. Do just like try weird, Who interesting is real stuff. Anything? I know, but yeah. what I'm saying is part of the reason I was like, well, I'll just try it. It's because like everybody we interact with is so nice. Like they're not gonna like give me a whole bunch of crap and be like, oh, actually, well, we hate you and shut up. Yeah. I wish you would stop. Uh, uh. You're lame at it. Yeah, you stink. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. why don't we just leave that on that note of like, thank you, thank you Absolutely. to everybody who does thank check you. out this show and uh, who has been as supportive as they have. Yeah, truly, it makes it really fun and awesome. Yeah, thank you. So we'll see you next week for another scary episode of Guide to the Unknown. But until that time comes, we must travel back to the netherworld merrily because we're in a good mood from all these nice people. Go we. Well, let's trot into that black hole. All right. See what it's got. One, two, three, squat. Oh, I thought we were being sucked into the black hole. (laughs) Squat. I thought we were squatting. (laughs) I am.